Uh, while Peter's doing that, um, I just want us to look at uh, partnering with the Holy Spirit. The part two of what we're doing is partnering with the Holy Spirit in mission. That's what we're looking at today. Um, so we just wanted to look at these, t- these two verses, very familiar verses, and then have a look at the idea of how the Holy Spirit wants to, to partner with us in, in sharing the news about Jesus. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thank you, Peter. Now you'll notice in those verses that Jesus says um, that we're to go and we're to share our faith uh, globally. And uh, whether that means, uh, as they did, starting in Jerusalem where they lived, and then Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the, the ripples went out of their witness as the Lord scattered his people, and they, they, they moved to do with their um, lifestyles and what have you. Um, so Jesus tells us what to do, but he also tells us how he's going to enable us to do it. He says, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Now, clearly, he wasn't talking about himself physically being with us because we know that he's ascended back to heaven. But he also said in John uh, 15, he said, when I go, I will send another who will be just like me, and he will remind you of everything. He, he will be the one that will empower you and help you. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit as the one who helps us be witnesses for Jesus. And I think sometimes in church life, we've made the mistake of rushing to witnessing without first receiving. Um, And that's why last week I was looking at partnering with the Holy Spirit, learning how to walk with him and work with him and feed on him personally and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, which we can do. He is a a person and we we can develop a relationship with him. He's God. He's Jesus. Everything Jesus... Is that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is. Everything the Father is, the Holy Spirit is. He, he's God himself. So God himself is with us, living inside us, in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It's God, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is with us. So he fills us and he enables us to get to know Jesus. He enables us to get to know the Father. He befriends us with himself. God becomes our friend, our, our closest friend, who we can walk through life with so that we can partner with him, talk to him, develop a relationship with him, and become aware that, um, our, that we have a Father in heaven. It says the Spirit bears witness that we are his children. By him we cry, Abba, Father. So we've got to feel and know these things very securely as children of God so that we've got something to tell people about. If we go out just telling people facts, but we're not really living in the good of it, then actually... It's a bit like trying to sell something, a product that we've never used or sell something we don't really believe in. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just words. And Jesus said it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So it's really important. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. Then you will be my witnesses. He didn't say go and witness and then the Holy Spirit will come on you while you're doing it. It's a receiving, then a giving. So that's why last week we tried to just refocus on our personal relationship with the Lord, getting ourselves freed up and filled up. This week I want to look at what the overflow of that is, because out of the overflow the mouth speaks. We are supposed to be a people that overflow 
that have enough of a relationship with Jesus that we cannot contain it and we, we overflow with it. So I want to look at that this morning about how we partner with the Holy Spirit in sharing our faith. Now, um, when, we, when I first came to know the Lord some, some years ago, we got involved in, in Youth for Christ. That was really my sort of first thing I was involved in. And in those days, local church life was, was not, not good, to be honest. It, it, was, it was, well, it was naff, to be perfectly honest. It, it, you know, you, it was like walking into a time warp. You walk through the door, it's sort of like Victorian England revisited. Think, what, what is this? It's just like nothing, just no, dear Lord, help. It was awful, to be perfectly honest. Lots of perhaps lovely people who loved the Lord, but no relevance whatsoever to the world around. No ability to enable people to connect with Jesus through local church life. So what happened was, as we got involved in Youth for Christ, we put lots of events on, and the focus of those events was mostly so that people would hear the gospel. We just wanted to hear loads and loads of, uh, have, sorry, to tell loads and loads of people the gospel so that they knew that there was a savior who died for them. They had a chance to give their lives to Jesus and know eternal life. That was the thing that in my life motivated everything I did. All my energy in serving God went into trying to find creative ways of telling people about Jesus. Now, because church was so barren in many ways, um, what happened was we, we suddenly began to um, see that there were things that needed to be restored to church life so that the church genuinely became uh, the glory of, of the whole earth, which is what she should be. The church should be the most amazing place to be amongst. You know, people were, in the book of Acts, people were afraid of the church but nevertheless kept coming to it. It was, it was an awe about it and we began to rediscover these things and think, well, actually, we need to restore what we see in the pages of the New Testament. Yeah? And, and then as we did that, we began to think, well, now we've actually, having seen the principles, having seen some of the things in the New Testament, I think, well, these should be in our experience now. We began a diligent attempt. That's the best I will call it. It was a diligent attempt to try and rebuild things that we were seeing in the Bible in our own local church and churches as we began to work with others and plant other churches we began to rebuild now what happened as we did that and I'm just speaking honestly this morning as as someone who's been involved in church leadership for many years what happens with that is the vital work of rebuilding and relaying the foundations of local church life and immersing yourself in the many things that go on in church life for it to be healthy and fruitful and well-led and and flourishing and all those things. What happens is the primary thing that you first started to do when you first came to know Jesus, which was telling other people about Jesus, gets squashed by all the other legitimate concerns of local church life. And what happens is it's a bit like the, the centrifug- centrifugal force or, or a force of gravity. And, and as you start leading in church life, you get sucked into the management of just keeping the machinery going. Very legitimate things, but there's this, there's this gravity that pulls you into doing things, rotors and groups and uh, organization and plans and projects, and you're all involved in it as well. If your hands up if you're on a rotor of any kind, 
right? It'll just suck you in like a vortex of all the energy that you once had. All the, all the thinking you once had about people who don't know Jesus, you'll be sucked into this vortex of management. And it's all good stuff. It's not nothing wrong with it. And what, uh, what happens is unless, and, and I'm discovering this, is my, I'm telling you just my own personal testimony. In the last few years, I've had more vortex drawing me in because things are getting bigger and there's now more local churches. We have about 70 churches now with 25 church plants involved in that. They just get sucked into this vortex of, of the legitimate needs of the local church and the mission of planting churches and caring for the flock and building well and making sure foundations are good and making sure church is healthy, all of these good things. And I came to a realization about two or three years ago, I must push to the edge again because that's where I will get new stories. I'll never get stories in the middle. You have to push to the edge, get new stories, and then bring them back to the middle again. And my challenge to us this morning is this. Let's afresh consider, are we pushing to the edge in terms of sharing our faith? Because that is where we will get the new stories. Now, when the disciples uh, started to get things established in in, in Jerusalem, in the early church, persecution broke out and they were flung into missional contexts again. And all the kind of um, the, the, the tendency for settlement got, got changed. It all got disturbed again. And we don't have to go through persecution for that to happen. It can be just a decision of the mind where we think, do you know, the priority, the priority in our lives is telling people about Jesus. Do you agree with me? I mean, that, that is why we are here. Everything else we do in terms of organization and running of church, I'm not running it down saying, oh, let's not bother with church. No, otherwise the pendulum will swing so far back to where it was before and it'll become naff again. So that when people come to know Jesus, they'll come to something that's completely irrelevant to help them. We need to somehow build the local church but keep pushing ourselves against this gravitational pull that just keeps us safe. I don't want to be safe. So I've tried to be going on my own journey of thinking, Lord, help me to share my faith. Help me to go out on the edge. And I'm not naturally um, someone who finds it easy to, to start up conversations or talk to strangers or do things like that. You don't have to do that, although sometimes I've even put myself in situations where the Lord now is giving me more opportunities to pray with people I've never met before, prophesy over people, pray for their healing, share with them on trains, do all sorts. I'm doing things that I am putting myself in a position where saying, Lord... If you want me to do this now, I'm available. I'm available. I'm not going to be so consumed with another agenda that I forget the people all around me that don't know Jesus. I'm not going to. It's a cultural change that I'm trying to undertake myself because if we don't do that, then the very thing God is restoring the church for will miss out. We'll miss out on. He wants us to be... No, it's not about kind of being false and forcing these things. Like, if you, if you support Norwich City, as, as why wouldn't you? Um, then you, when, you, when, you go, when you go into the office to work on a Monday morning, you don't go in thinking to yourself, now, how do I get Norwich City into the conversations with my work colleagues today? 
I've got to really think, how am I going to do that? So then you hit a coffee break and someone says something about, uh, oh, um, uh, what did you do at the weekend? You think, ah, right. Um, well, you can say, right now, get it, get it in here. Yeah, I watched Norwich City. Oh, that's nice. What did you do? Well, I did some gardening. Uh, but actually, um, gardening is, is of no consequence at all. What you should do is follow Norwich City. And we kind of, if I strained at the conversation like that and just kept bringing everything back to Norwich City all the time, people would think to me, what an unnatural person. I don't, I don't force into the conversation. So I think what happens is we talk about sharing our faith and we immediately think, goodness, right, how do I get Jesus into every conversation at work this week? And it becomes some sort of unnatural forced thing. I'm not saying we need to force an unnatural thing. I'm just saying as opportunities arise, either through the prompting of the Holy Spirit or a conversation or someone God puts on your heart, it's about you and I being willing to say, Holy Spirit, I will partner with you and sow seeds, and I'll let you do what you want to do. We don't have to get people from naught to ten. We don't have to get them to the point where they say, oh, what must I do to be saved? All we have to do is share our story. We might be a link in the chain. Fishing is, much, is done much better with other people and nets rather than a rod and line. It's much more effective. And we don't know what else God is doing in people's lives. We might just be sharing our story and, that, and we might not see no fruit from that. But we might be that one thing that just draws them further into to, to knowing Jesus. I remember, I've probably told you this story, but I, uh, when I was on a train going into London, um, I just, there was a guy opposite me and I just felt the Lord uh, draw my attention to him. He was on the phone and he was talking to someone about how terrible... Um, pain he was in. He'd got a very severe back problem and he'd spent lots of money trying to get it sorted. He'd flown to other nations to have operations and consultations and I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to offer to pray for him. And I thought, really, no. Don't really. It's not, you know, other people in books do that, right? Not me. I don't really know. But so I had this debate with the Lord and I said, okay, what I'll do, I made a deal, right? I said, what I'll do I won't do it on the train because that's too much. I can't do that. But if we get off the train and there's no one else around, then I'll say something to him. And we were going into Liverpool Street, so I thought I'm fairly, fairly safe <laughs> with that. So we get off the train and sure enough, there's crowds of people we're all like that. And I thought, oh, this is all right. So we get through the barrier and then suddenly everybody disappears except me and this guy. There's just no one within 50 yards. And I was looking around thinking, where are you all? Oh, deserted me in my hour of need. So I thought, well, okay, here we go. So I said, you know, I'm ever so sorry. I wasn't trying to listen to your phone call, but I couldn't help it. We're just sitting near you on the train. And I said, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And I've seen him heal many people. And I couldn't help but hear that you were in a lot of pain. I'm sorry to hear that. Would you mind if I prayed for you? Uh, and he said, no, it's not for me. And walked off. Now, the point about that is this. I could have thought to myself at that moment, well, I'm not doing that again. I could have, but I haven't. Why? Because I don't know whether my obedience somewhere down the line with that young man will lead to him having another conversation with someone else who I don't know at some point. And he'll think, oh, yeah, someone else did said that to me on a train station. And I dismissed it. Perhaps I should listen this time. See, I, all I did was be obedient I'm not responsible for the outcome. And what that did was actually it gave me more courage now to share my faith. So 
whether it's people who live near us or whether it's family members. or I've even taken time out of my diary, particularly to spend with non-Christians much more now so that I can listen to what they're saying and share with them a bit more. Now, the reason I'm telling you this, not to make draw attention to me, it's simply to say this, I'm trying to lead by example. Now, you and I, can, we can all do this, but we can't do it without the Holy Spirit, which is coming back to the thing, go and make disciples and I will be with you. I'll help you. It's not about clever techniques or knowing the right thing to say. It's just simply about being willing for the Lord to use us. And, and the other thing that puts us off sometimes is thinking, what if people reject me or are unkind to me? Well, even they even rejected Jesus and Paul. That's normal. Is it not normal so that when we tell people about Jesus, some will re- receive and some will reject? The question is, are we willing to walk the same path Jesus walked? Are we willing to do what, Je- what Paul did and the apostles did? And Jesus taught us what to do when people reject us. He taught us what to do. He said that when we should be looking all the time for what he called men and women of peace. Men and women of peace are people who God has prepared in that moment to have an interaction with you in terms of you sharing your faith or praying for them or prophesying or just having some conversation or friendship, some season of involvement in their lives. They're people of peace and and you start to share with them and they are very receptive to you and your faith. They're they're people of peace. And what happens is they will then open up circles uh, of influence for you because they have received you. Jesus said, where you find a man or woman of peace, let your peace rest there. Stay with them. Stay with them. He said, if people don't receive you, then shake the dust off your feet. Now, he wasn't saying be horrible to him. He was just saying, don't waste time there at that moment. Move on. Right? So he's teaching us what to do when either people want to hear or they don't want to hear. There may come a time when those who are uh, not really interested, God's turned them. So it's not about rejecting them. It's about saying, well, that's not the right moment. Do you get that? So being rejected in our message is actually normal. It's good for us. It gives us... It stops us making, I don't know, getting proud or self-conscious. And, and believe me, I, you know, I've, I find that hard. But I think, no, Lord Jesus, you were willing to come to earth and be, and be exposed and rejected and, and take a lot of stuff for me. No servant is above his master. I don't have the right to just think, well, I've always got to have a life where everybody likes me. Everybody likes what I say. We're not trying to get persecuted, but we've got to be willing sometimes to stand up for Jesus. I think it's really important that in the workplace, just, I mean, most of you are going to go into the workplace tomorrow morning, and this is very, this what we're doing now is very different from your work environment. It's not so much important that you bring all your work colleagues to know Jesus and some sort of big pressure on you, but it is important that as you get opportunity, all your work colleagues know that you love Jesus and that you're a Christian. They will see it in how you live your life. They will hear it in your words. They will watch it in how you treat them and how you treat others. Sharing the gospel is about three things. It's about words, it's about works, and it's about wonders. And this is where the Holy Spirit helps us. Right? Our, our words matter, our testimony. People may argue when you sort of point out theological verses in the Bible and they say, say, oh, I don't believe that, I don't believe this, I don't believe that. Nobody can argue with your testimony. Right? Even if they say, well, I don't think it's true. People cannot argue with your story. 
Your story is holy ground, isn't it? How you came to it's holy ground. It may not be dramatic. It may be very ordinary. And you think, well, my story doesn't really make me feel excited myself. It's still your story. So your words really matter. Our, our, telling people our story, just how we came to know Jesus, our background. Preaching is important. Preaching the gospel. Communicating the gospel. Whether it's from a platform or whether it's one-to-one, whether it's alpha, whatever it is. Telling people about Jesus. Words. Works is about showing kindness and love and compassion to people. In the uh, epistle of James, it says, if we say to someone, go, uh, be blessed, be watered and well fed, but they're in need, what use is it? If we just give words to people, but they've got practical needs that need to be met in order for their lives to be open to the words we want to speak, we have to meet the needs first. That's why things like uh, cap money, helping people out of debt, just as an example, are really important. If someone's worried almost to the point of taking their own life because they are so filled with debt, then showing them Bible verses is not really going to be their priority. They just want help getting out of the mess they're in. Yeah? So works sometimes have to be done. Compassion, loving, kindness, helping people with the, the rubbish that the, the world... The world is broken. It's broken. And everybody around us who doesn't know Jesus, they're living life without any hope, without anyone to talk to, without anyone to help them. They're desperate for help. They're desperate for friends. They're desperate when they put their head on the pillow at night thinking, who's going to help me? We need to be those people who help them with our acts of kindness. Those works are really important. So you might think to yourself, well, I I just love people through this act of service. I care for them by looking after them this way. I'm not very good at the sort of words bit. I'm I'm better at the works bit. Well, that bless you. That's really important. You might also need to give words, but it might be that your priority is showing through your hands ways of loving people and sharing the gospel in that way, that they might see your good deeds and praise you and glorify your Father in heaven. And lastly, through wonders. And this is the one where I think we need to get more and more comfortable. And people, I think, in society now in the West are much more open to this. So to prophesy over someone doesn't require that you say to them, thus saith the Lord, or to be in some sort of... You might be with a colleague sitting across the table in the boardroom or in the office or in the schoolroom or in the hospital, and God might just give you insight into that person's life. You don't need to say, excuse me, God's just told me this about you. You don't need to do that. You you can just ask them a question and not reveal who gave you the information. You can do it under the radar so that people think, oh, yeah, that's how did you know that? Yeah, that's that's very very insightful of you. But you, you don't need to declare your hand all in one go. Or what about now you do when it comes to praying for people if they're not well? Uh, but what I'm saying is you, you can go in subtly. So if someone's unwell at work, you could, you could if you've got uh, feel the courage and the relationship, you could say, well, I'm ever so sorry to hear you're unwell. Would you like me just to pray for you? Because I'm, I'm a Christian and I've seen God heal many people. Well, I know that God does heal people. Would you like me to pray for you? You'd be amazed how many people say, oh, yes, that would be nice. Even if nothing happens, at least you've shown you care. Haven't you? And it just opens. And it's it's getting us kind of free to go to the edge. Wouldn't it be amazing if week after week here on a Sunday, people came back from the edge to the middle with some new stories? Yeah? If you just stay in the middle, you won't be out the front with a new story. You'll be listening to everybody else's new story. 
Because you can't get new stories in here. All you can say is, well, I prayed for that person, but I prayed for them the month before. Yeah, I mean, is this just... I know it's a little out there, but I think we need to be a little out there. Don't we? What a better way on the day of Pentecost, when we remember the day of Pentecost, rather than saying, yes, let's all have a big glory time in here, to say, no, let's have a glory time out there. Let's have a glory time out on the streets. Let's, let's, let, the, let's let our Holy Spirit anointing be felt where we live, where we work, where we shop, where we go to the gym. Let's try and get some stories of things we've never seen happen before. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. yeah Dave is. He's with me. He's with me. So what happens, you see, is when we talk about... I'll just finish with this. When we talk about planting churches, we can think, well, let's just plant a church, and then, oh, by the way, we better do some evangelism now we've started this church. Let's do an alpha or something. Whereas what we should be thinking is, Let's do evangelism, and as a result, we'll need to plant lots of churches. It's a different way of thinking. It's just saying, no, church planting is the overspill through people coming to know Jesus. Now, we're not living in um, a season in the West at the moment where thousands and thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. We're, we're, We're not living in that season, but we are living in a season where many are. Just listen to Rob Tevert from our church in Attleboro. We had our prayer and equipping uh, two days this week for all the churches in relational mission in the UK to come together. We've got one in Holland in a couple of weeks and then one in Canada. So we do them in little in bases. But the UK one, Rob Tevert, who leads um, church in Attleboro, he, he did the Who Cares initiative. Any of you heard of the Who Cares thing? Yeah? Right, he was just sharing us with the figures of what happened. Do you know... 50,000 people were asked the question, who cares, in Norfolk, right? 50,000. 26,000 replied and engaged in that conversation. And it led to an Alpha Supper of 1,400 people at the Norfolk showground, which Alpha tell us is the biggest Alpha Supper anywhere in the UK ever. Right, uh, yeah. And that happened, that happened just last uh, August... From Rob, Rob Tevert's sense of hearing God, he's planting a church in Attleboro, which has about I don't know, 70 people, 80 people. He has touched the lives of 50,000 people and had 1,400 people at an Alpha Supper at the Norfolk Showground. Two Muslim ladies, Iranian Muslim ladies, came to that Alpha Supper at that showground and gave their lives to Christ on the night there and then. Right. So stuff is happening It may not be a revival, but it is happening. And the only reason 50,000 people were engaged with is because many people in local churches said, I will be willing to go out and do a questionnaire. And as a result of that, 1,400 people had a hot cooked dinner. Chris at at King's Church Norwich fed 1,400 people with a hot meal at the Norfolk showground. I mean, this, we are living in unusual days. They're not revival, but I tell you, I've never heard of anything like that. The biggest Alpha Supper ever in the UK, and it's in what came out of one of our churches. The reason I'm saying that is not to boast. I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, something is happening, 
something, hello, something is happening amongst us and we can either start to ride the wave of it or we can think, well, yeah, there's not much happening in my street. Make something happen. Be available for something to happen. Pray, be available to pray with your neighbours. Be available to talk to, invite, them, invite people to Alpha. Bruce and Denise are shortly going uh, out to our cluster of churches in the Baltic um, where we've got, I don't know, perhaps 10 or 12 churches now all around the Baltic Sea and all the different nations, little living rooms full of people and some are now becoming in public space and all the rest of it. All of them are beginning to see people come to Christ. All of them. And so we're sending them on a tour of duty right? over the next uh, a couple of weeks. They're, they're going to be around the Baltic just sort of sharing. Now, now, I'm not singling them out to say, well, going and doing something far off is, is where it's all at. You might talk to your neighbor this week and just be friendly to them. Just, just begin just to make some connections. Just be kind, acts of kindness to people. That is often the way in. All of us can get involved in this. This is the question. Are you up for that? Because I, I, want, I want to live on the edge where the stories start. And sometimes I bottle it, sometimes I get it wrong, sometimes I miss opportunities, sometimes I'm too grumpy to talk to people, to be perfectly honest. Being honest. You know, in the supermarket, I, think, I want to get home, I don't want to talk to you. Right? I'm just being honest. Right? I, think, I know you're far more holy than all of that, all right? but, but, but that's how I am. All right? But God's working on me and in me, which is why I need the Holy Spirit. And people sometimes say, oh, I, I, I can't be filled with the Spirit because I'm not, I'm not right yet. No, that's why you need the Holy Spirit. I, I need the Holy Spirit so I'm no longer grumpy in the supermarket. That's why I need him. Don't you say amen. Stop that. <laughs> I, I, need, I, I need him. I need him so that something more of Christ comes through me in, in day-to-day life. I need him. You need him. I can't do this on my own. You can't do it on my own. That's why he, Jesus said, wait till you receive. Because you will be my witnesses. I'll help you. He'll help you. This is not about, oh, yeah, if only I was like that. No, you're not like that. But this is, this is some of you are naturally gifted evangelists. You can, you can talk to people like that. Some of you, I wish I had your gift. You can go into a room and light the room up with your presence. You've got a head start on those of us like me who are shy and grumpy, right? But if God can raise a dead body to life, he can help me, can't he? And if you feel like me, put your hand up. Yeah, so they see you're all grumpy, right? You're all just pretending it's just me. It's not just me, it's you, right? He can help you and he can help me.